You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 398. This is our We've Got Nothing to Talk About episode, David. <laughs> we have a completely empty show notes page. We've <laughs> spent 15 minutes talking about that we can't find anything worth talking about. It's 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 kind of one of those dog days weeks in that there's not a lot going on in the tech space. You know, WWDC is coming up in a while, so that means there's nothing happening from Apple. Right. Um, Google have just had Google I.O., but the stuff they talk about is mostly vaporware. Um, and not interesting yeah, really they, at all. They basically took their old phone and they made a cheaper plastic version. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, kind of everything starts to ramp up again during sort of like the summer onwards towards the autumn. So we are just in a dead space at the moment and... News-wise, there are things going on, but many of the things that are going on we've talked about at length before. So well, that's the problem when you have a weekly talk show for an hour, and you kind of go all over the place on the show. I mean, like we yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're not just tech-related, obviously. Yeah. I don't know what we should have called the show, but maybe it wasn't tech fan. <laughs> grumpy old men. Grumpy old men. Oh, poor grumpy cat died. Yeah, that is news of a that's fashion. News. Yeah. Oh, I think no. I'll be honest with you. I, I sometimes I listen to myself back on the show, and I think I was the voice of Grumpy Cat. Well, yeah, it's, I think it's an occupational hazard in this game, to be honest. Yeah, uh, especially as you know, you and I are virtually exactly the same age, so we and we have very similar sensibilities. So we're often grumpy about the same things. Yes, <laughs> I want to be. I want to be excited about something in the tech world, and I'm just not. There's nothing out there right now is capturing my imagination is is tickling my fancy is nothing I, I look around and i think okay what if i wanted to get a new mac yeah i'm happy with the one i've got you know well, and not, not only that the new ones have some downsides so uh, they, well i'm still running 10.12.6 sierra yeah i have no interest in moving up to a newer os it's not it, it doesn't do anything that i can't already do or have any desire to do so it's going to be, my new Mac would be faster, sure, but I'm not doing anything where I take advantage of the speed anyways. You know, I sometimes I, uh, as, as as you know, I'm a, I'm a Reddit reader nowadays. Sometimes I see posts from people going, oh, I've only got eight, bag, eight gigabytes in this new Mac I bought. Maybe I should sell it and trade it in for a 16 gig Mac. <laughs> and, I, and I just think... If you're debating that to the point that you have to ask Reddit whether you should do it, you should, probably shouldn't do it. Because right, you're just you wasting need, money. Yeah, people, are they become obsessed by specifications and uh, getting the latest, fastest thing without stopping to realize what they're actually doing with the thing. Here's something. My uh, first-generation iPad, I don't think what? it even supports the App Store anymore. <laughs> Really? No, every time I try to sign it, because Brooke wanted to watch a movie, right? Yeah. And I've got it in a format that just, it won't play on an iOS device without um, VLC player. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't have VLC player on there. Um, it had it at one time, so it's probably on my Mac, you know, but I can't install apps from the Mac onto an iPad anymore. I can't do that. Yeah. So I went to, you know, the App Store, and every time I try to sign in, I put my, I even looked it up because I, I keep my passwords, you know. Yeah. Um, I looked it up just to make sure I absolutely put the right password in every single time. And it just, I, 
it's a recursive loop. I cannot get in. It won't so, let me. Yeah. So as somebody who plays around with a lot of um, vintage technology, uh, you know, I'm always buying old phones and things like that. This is becoming a more and more prevalent problem. And the issue is not software support, but the problem is, I guarantee, will be something to do with certificates, encryption certificates and authentication certificates. Because basically, over time, those expire. And once they expire, then you can't go can't get a connection to the to the uh, the service you're trying to reach anymore. It's, it's and, kind of annoying. Yeah, well, and, and of course, you know, what, what's what's the latest iOS that you can run on a first-gen iPad? What, 5? Oh, yeah, if that, yeah, yeah probably so, 5. So, obviously, that's not going to be ever going to be updated with these certificates. Um, and so, yes, it probably has stopped working for that reason. And there will, without you being able to hack the system up, there'll be never any way of doing that. I've got old um, Nokia phones... Kind of the, you know, the old ones they used to do with the slide-out keyboards and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, running Symbian. But Symbian is not supported anymore. It hasn't been supported. S60 Symbian has not been supported for many, many years. But you know what? Up until two, three years ago, you could use it. You know, it wasn't a great experience. But if you if you like to have that vintage jag going on, you could do it. But because of certificate problems, it's now becoming harder and harder to do that. And plenty of old devices, like the original Blackberries, the, um, the ones before... They kind of became more modern with the with the BlackBerry 10. So the original traditional BlackBerrys that need a special service, yeah, it's it's starting to happen to those now where certificates are expiring, and obviously the services at the other ends are never going to be updated anymore, and you're not going to get device updates either. And this what happens is the internet just basically or connectivity just stops working because you can't get authentication or encryption working on the devices, and uh, that's probably what's going on with your original iPad. Oh, you know what it was? I wanted to put uh, the Plex app on it. That's what I was trying yeah. to do. All right. And, and I, I couldn't do it because I couldn't log in and, to download anything. Yeah, if you could get to the store, it would probably offer you a version of what, that works on that iPad. Right. Or if oh, I could connect it to my Mac. See, this is why everyone's like, oh, we didn't need it to connect to Macs anymore. Really? Because if I could have connected this to my Mac, I had all that software that worked just fine on that iPad sitting on my Mac. I could have reinstalled it. But can't do that anymore. So the last OS that ran on uh, the original iPad was 5.1.1, which was released in May 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and so seven years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, so. it's not... I should still... I understand they don't support it anymore in repairs or anything, but I should still be able to connect to the App Store. I mean, because if I, if I bricked it and I needed to restore it, now I can't even restore it? Yeah. Because that connects to the App Store. Unfortunately, Apple's response to that is probably, well, we, you know, you can buy a newer iPad for not very much money. But the, here's the problem, is that fundamentally, apart from the connectivity, there's nothing wrong with that device. Right. And the thing you want to use it for, it's perfectly capable of doing. Yep. And yet we live in this bizarre, um, and, you know, the tech industry is is the poster child for this, this bizarre kind of economic mode that we all live in now that our parents and probably their parents who lived through the rationing and the the privations of the great depression and and then the the world wars would be horrified by which is when something breaks your only option is to throw it away and get a new one yes rather than maintaining things yeah and software maintenance is is in some respects you would imagine would be easier than hardware maintenance but uh it's not or or it's not prioritized by by companies and you know they want you to buy something new so 
built in obsolescence is kind of is kind of there. And of course Apple is not by any means the worst offender in this case. They're probably one of the better companies, but Yeah, they support stuff going way back, but I don't know. It just seems to me that I, I should be able to continue I, even if it's just restoring it, I, I'm curious if, if this thing got nuked somehow, corruption, and I had to re- yeah. reinstall the OS from scratch, I bet I couldn't do it. Nope. I, I, bet it w- I bet it would just be dead. You would have, to be honest with you, when you, <laughs> I found when you're doing work with vintage equipment, you need corresponding matching vintage equipment. So what you really need is an old Mac running an old version of iTunes with access to your application so that it can manually install stuff to the iPad. That's what you need. Yeah. Because obviously you can't rely on the cloud stuff anymore. Yep. 100%. Um, yeah. And, and of course, if you don't have that, because many people don't, yeah, unless you, if you're an enthusiast and you like to chase up old technology like I do, you have lots of old technology lying around. And I, I have old PCs, I have old Macs and, you know, if I had the time and the inclination, I could set them up to kind of restore your iPad if I wanted to. But most people are. But not with the apps. Well, that, that's that's another problem, isn't it? Because you can't re, you can't get the apps through right. the App Store. You'd have to get a later version of an iPad, probably an iPad two, running a slightly later version of iOS that can still talk to the store, and then try and pull the apps down that way, and then transfer them off using third-party applications to then get them onto your, to your uh, original iPad, and all of this becomes, why would anybody ever bother doing that? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, 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 mean, it, I, guess, you could, I guess you could jailbreak it, because I would imagine that that, that was possible with 5.1.1. Jailbreak um, iOS 5.1? 5. 5.1.1. Yeah, it looks like some of the classic methods like Red Snow and Absinthe yeah. and things like that would probably work on it. So that's... How to um, jailbreak untethered with Red yeah. Snow. Huh. So you could do that and that would give you access to the the Cydia store, which is the kind of the pirate store for jailbroken iOS devices. And you could probably get better apps than Plex or VLC through there. Or certainly apps that support the Plex software. So I reckon that might be your uh, only option. But here's the thing. Let's wind this conversation forward another 10 years and you take today's iPads and you're in that situation where certificates have failed and Apple has moved on and they're not supported anymore. Well, you're going to be out of luck because you can't jailbreak the current ones. The, the you know Over the years, Apple has improved iOS to the point it's virtually impossible to jailbreak it. Yep. So you, in 10 years' time, you're not going to have that recourse. I wonder if there'll ever be a lawsuit about this. Because, I mean, it just seems unconscionable that you can't do with your equipment that you want to do. Yep. Well, here, here we get to these weird vagaries. The fact that the software we run on our, on our devices isn't really our software. It's given to us under license from the owner of the software, which is Apple. Um, and that gives them various rights that we ignored and then ticked when we signed into the things. To uh, say, well, you know, we decide to stop supporting the future. Um, tough. You know, uh, John Gruber posted just recently a couple different articles, well, I linked to anyways, about how people, older tech people like you and I, um, are feeling a little bit 
alienated by the current world of technology because it the, the the whole thing about the Mac when I got into it was how personal it was, um, how intuitive it was. I can get into it. I could use um, programs to. I, I could edit everything about that computer, yeah. you know. And it it really did feel like my computer. I could do so many things with it. And now it doesn't feel like that at all. It, it doesn't feel like I can really do what I want to do with these devices. That they're so locked down. They're so restricted. But yet, for the most part, we do pretty much whatever we want with them because someone's created an app to do exactly what you want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I think to get that feeling again, you got to go something like a Raspberry Pi. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the uh, com- computing has become commoditized, and yeah. just in the same way that all right, a, a good analogy I think is if you think about um, cars of the fifties and sixties. Yeah. yeah. When you had a car in the when you bought a car in the fifties, yeah, you could do all sorts of cu- stuff to customize that car, custom paint jobs, custom uh, engines. You know, you could do all sorts of things that make it your own and make it behave like the way you wanted it to behave. Now, like anything, you could argue that some people were good at doing that, and some people sucked at it, and some people ruined their cars doing it, but it was personal to them. Yep. Yeah. Now, you go out to a good good dealership you like yourself, and you buy a Toyota or a Honda or something like that, um, and you can't customize anything like that anymore because the, the cars are too complicated. Um, well, it's got so much safety equipment. Like back in the yeah. 50s, you could chop the top off your car if you wanted to. Yeah. You can't do that today. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And um, and so cars are now commodities. The manufacturer chooses what options you get, and then you choose what options you want to buy from the manufacturer, and then that's the car you get. And yep. don't get me wrong, in in terms of absolute performance specs, even a low-end Honda or Toyota nowadays will probably run rings in performance uh, and fuel economy and power and comfort and safety than those hot rod of the 50s. But you know sure. what? It's not... It's not personalized car you're buying off the shelf and you're sticking with it the way it is the most customization you get to be able to do is maybe put a bumper sticker on it it just seems like the computers in the 90s were so much more fun you know there was this attitude of you know you and it really did make a difference if you got a computer two years later it was a lot faster than when you just replaced nowadays they're really not at least not in any way that an average person is going to notice. We're back then. Absolutely. And you could upgrade the RAM and the hard drive and all kinds of things you can plug into it. All of that is just, it's gone now. Yeah. You know, Apple, for instance, have restricted so much of how many things you can even plug in. You need a company like OWC, our sponsor, to be able to plug multiple things in. And it yeah, just but- seems weird. But even there, I mean, look how limited those plug-in options are becoming. You know, it's coming down now to a computer to one or two ports in, and those ports only let you do certain things. And some of the stuff you used to do in the past just isn't possible anymore. You can't put coprocessor cards in over a Thunderbolt or USB 3 connection. You can't yeah, you put can, a what on it? A coprocessor card, like a, no. you know, a, a CPU upgrade. or No, you like, can go yeah, GPU, but you can't You can do CPU. an external GPU, but... But again, that's some, that's kind of a niche thing that that and has only come about on the Mac very recently. Yep. 
you know, and even if and people say, well, you could always do it on the PC, but actually you can't. Go and buy a PC and do some of this stuff now. You'll find that a lot of that won't work. It isn't supported anymore. And the, the limitations are coming more and more. It's it's less locked down than the Mac, and it always has been, but it's still far more limited than it was 10, 15 years ago in terms of options. Uh, and that's kind of the way things are going, and it, it is about commoditization. And you know what? And I, I had this conversation with a, a colleague of mine this morning before a meeting. Uh, we were talking about, you know, how um, modern software and, and the things that, that, you know, our kids are into, you know, it's, you know, you're feeling old when even as a technology enthusiast, you look at something your kid's playing and you think, I don't really understand that very well. And, yeah. and I don't, I'm not really motivated to try and understand it. Um, and you know what? In probably in 20, 30 years time, the very concept of having standalone computers is probably not going to be something that people understand. Could be. I think Could everything be. everything will be in the cloud and whatever you interface it with, whether it's screens, whether it's some sort of implant or whether it's glasses or whatever it is, is the, 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 the thing you actually access it with um, is, is probably not the thing that you really choose. It's the service you buy. You know, I understand that, you know, we got diversity in, well, you know, everything nowadays, which is great. But I'm finding it harder and harder and harder to get behind some of these new things that I just don't see why I would want to do that. Steam Link, for instance, that we were talking about before we started recording, has been, you know, you can get it on iOS now, Android, I suppose. I'm not, I didn't read a whole lot into it. Yeah, you can. I don't, I don't know why I would want to play any of my Steam Linked games, these high-end games on my phone. To me, that seems stupid. Yes, I, again, this is the sort of thing. Yeah, you and I both go. What? Why would you do that? So you have to to run run Steam games. You you have a, a medium to high end computer PC. Right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and then yes, instead of sitting down at the PC and playing them with a a big screen and probably you know if you're a particularly gaming enthusiast, a nice keyboard and mouse that's nice and responsive and tactile and that sort of thing. You want to basically take that video game setting and you want to stream it over your Wi-Fi in your house to uh, a flat black slab of glass that has no tactile feedback. Yeah. And well, that sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, why would you want to do that? Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, it's not for you and I to get. Because if, if it was, we would get it. But I want a degraded game experience. It's... I'd and the sort of games you play on a PC are not the sort of game the sort of games that PC gaming is optimized for are not the sort of games that work well on a on a mobile device. They they do tend to be, you know, low latency, high graphics quality, high performance games such as shooters or real time strategy games where there's a lot going on and stuff like that. The sort of games that seem to work well on uh on a mobile device are the kind of more casual games, the touch orientated games, and you can already buy right. those on iOS and Android. So why right. would you want to get them through steam? Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Um, you know, you asked me, don't, well, don't you use steam? And I have a steam account. I think the last thing I bought on there might've been a GTA game, mm-hmm. but I'd never play it there because, and my answer to you then was, because I have a PS3 and a PS4 and a, hell, I got a PS1 and a PS2 as well. I've got all the Xboxes. I've got all the Nintendo systems. Why do I want to play it? What I consider 
look on the PC, you can get better quality graphics granted, but I'm on a Mac. So a lot of those high end games like that aren't even on steam aren't available for the Mac, but why am I going to spend this money on steam to pay, play a game that I can already play on, on the other consoles? Yeah. Well, I think, I think that's a separate question. I think, um, there is a, uh, my perception is that anybody who, who games on a PC kind of looks down on console gaming as, you know, too, just as we were saying about customization, far too commoditized, far too um, restricted by the manufacturer. They want to be able to swap and change components to get the absolute best performance at the highest resolutions, and they're prepared to invest in a custom rig to let them do that. And I don't have a problem with that. But uh, again, I don't either, but that's not the way... That's that's not what draws me into gaming. It never no, has been. I, I, I appreciate great games. Don't get me wrong. The first time I fired up GTA Five and explored Liberty or uh, was it Liberty City? Liberty City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was blown away. the The yeah. level of detail and it was amazing. It was it was so much better than GTA Four, and I loved it. I played that game for I can't tell you how long. But is it a better game than, say, GTA Vice City, which is what got me back into gaming after a few years? Well, sure, it looks better. The controls are a lot better. But from an entertainment standpoint, which to me is the key, yeah. how much was I entertained by it? No, it wasn't more entertaining than Vice City. Never, It it just wasn't. And, and the graphics now, when you look back on Vice City... Look like ass. I mean, they look really bad. Yeah, you know everything's really blocky and it it doesn't look good. But yet, I had so much fun playing that game. So much fun, way more yeah. fun playing Vice City than I ever did GTA Five. Quite honestly, uh, yeah. And and you know, I've recent talking of Grand Theft Auto. I've recently started playing on my iPad the um, the DS port they did. What was it called? Um, oh, China Chinatown. Towns. Yeah. Now, China Sound Wars is, to me, I like it because it's like the original GTA that it's I played back down. on the Amiga. It's yep. top down. I find it far easier to play than the full 3D versions. You know, yeah, I'm I just always, the opposite. Yeah, I always found driving the cars in the full 3D versions very, very difficult. You know, my cars were always going all over the place. And I found in, um, well, GTA 3 onwards that to actually progress in the game, you need to be able to do some of these these racing car, car missions. Yeah. And I just, I just can't do them. I literally can't do them because my car just ends up either crashing into somebody else or crashing off the road, and I lose the race. And it becomes extremely frustrating for me. I don't have that problem in Chinatown Wars. So for me, that's a that's a better game, even though graphically it's nowhere near, near like GTA V. Right. Yeah. Uh, I tried playing that game a number of times. Um, I had it on... I think it was the iPad that I originally started playing it on. Mm. But I don't know. I kept thinking this is a gta game i'm gonna like it but it's not really a gta game it is story-wise and the missions the type of things you do but the top-down view i just i couldn't I, my brain just wouldn't let me do it comfortably yeah. see see I, the first grand theft auto was exactly like that and that's i played the hell out of that on the amiga so um you know when the 3d version came along you know it was it was don't get me wrong, it's a great, and it invented a whole genre of games. Yeah. But to me, kind of the top-down view is kind of what I cut my teeth on with that. I uh, I bought some of the newer games that's come out this year and the end of last year. You know, I, I, I loved the original Red Dead Redemption. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the graphics were amazing. The story was great. Really tight controls. Really, really loved it. Yeah. And I was really following along this Red Dead 2. And I think it came out in November. And I bought it the week that it came out. And of course, I got the digital download. I didn't go to the store and buy it. Yeah. And I played it for, oh, I don't know, 20 minutes. And I died on the very first mission. It was stupid. I did something I shouldn't have done. Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm, it's going to reset, and I'm going to be riding up to this farmhouse again. And Nope, it started the game completely over. So I was going to have to sit there through another 15 minutes of cutscenes and crap. And I was just like, I'm not doing this. And I've never gone back to the game. I know it's a good game. Don't get me wrong. But I'm thinking, what kind of a stupid decision? If someone makes a mistake at the very beginning of the game, you're going to make them watch all this crap again? Are you yeah. so, it, to me, it just reeked of, we think that our storytelling and, and this is so important and so impressive that you're going to have to watch it again. We're going to force you to watch this again. And I thought, mm, no, you're not. Uh, I, I don't, I've never understood games that decide to make cutscenes unskippable. Oh, it's it the really worst. Don't. It's like, are you kidding me? I got to sit here and listen to this and watch this again for the 12th time because I can't get past a stupid mission. Yeah. Oh, it's it's brutal. It's crazy, uh, and it and it, yeah, it's like it, it, it's almost like nobody play tested it, and you always wonder whether in fact the, you know, the play testers basically had a way of skipping directly to the interactive bit because that's what they were focused on, and right. then everything else became be, got for, forgotten about. And nobody thought to put a skip skip thing in. I can understand the first time you see it, not not letting you skip it. Yeah, if you think it's, it's essential to the story, story and you know, it, it sets up what you're going to do. And yeah, I get it. Not the second time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's, uh, um, so what was the other one? Oh, Spider-Man. I got the new mm-hmm. Spider-Man game. Everybody loves a new Spider-Man game. Uh, the graphics are amazing. I can't seem to wrap my head around controlling Spider-Man. I want to go in this direction, and the stupid thing keeps swinging the other way. Yeah. So I try to go over there, and I smack into a building. And then I'm like, are you kidding me? Why? It's like, hey, let's give you a super floaty control so it's just like if you are actually swinging. Well, you know what? I don't want, to, I don't want it to be like just like I'm actually swinging. I want to get from point A to point B. Yeah. And then beat up some bad guys. Web them up. Yeah. But I, I can't do that because I got to... F- I got to fight the game controls. So I played probably an hour of that game and just was like, meh, probably done with this. And it came out around the same time. Yeah. It's interesting because you you do kind of wonder, obviously these games make a lot of money because they're they're hyped up and people go out and buy them or download them as soon as they come out. But I wonder how many of those games get played through to the end. Or how many people oh, I bet have the of same don't. sort of experience you do, where you know people play half an hour, an hour, and then struggle with it and decide to give up on it. Well, you know, I belong to a couple of different video game groups, mostly vintage stuff, but some current stuff in there too uh, on Facebook. And I read people's posts. You know, hey, I bought this game, and has anyone ever finished it? And most people are like, no, I never got to the end of that one. Because they're buying the newest, biggest game that comes out every other week or so. And I'm thinking, yeah. who the, A, I don't have enough time to play games like that. I just don't. Um, and B, even if I did, am I, are you really going to get done with this 50, 60 hour plus game before the next big game comes out? 
And that's not to say anything about the multiplayer stuff. I'm just talking yeah. about single player, point A to point B play. Well, of course, for some of these games, uh, people don't ever play the single player. They only buy it. You know, you got people who go out and buy the latest Call of Duty. I would would say a good 78% of them never even load the single player campaign. They just immediately go online. Yeah. Um, I'm just the which, opposite. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't like doing that either. But, you know, again, it comes down to, okay, so if you buy the latest Call of Duty and you play online only, how different is that from the previous Call of Duty playing online? Right. You is know? the graphics that much better? Well, is is there new gameplay? Is there new game modes? Is there something different? Is there new levels? Well, I think a lot of that is, though, that the community of game players that you're used to playing against are also moving on to the new game. Mm-hmm. So if you want to continue to play online, you kind of have to add the new game because that's what everybody else is playing because yeah. it's the new game and that's what everybody else is playing. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, but, but you see, I contrast that with what they do on Fortnite, where a, a big chunk of what you play on the game is actually running in the cloud. Um, and they have a single play environment, and yet every season, as they call it, they're changing it. Yeah. Um, and they're they're changing it up, and yet everybody's on whatever platform they're on is playing on a level. Excuse the pun, the level playing field. So they get to to they get brought along with that without having to go out and buy a new copy of the game. Yeah. You know. I mean, I get Cole's obsession with the game. He really does have one. Mm. He loves it. And like we discussed last week, I don't get it. Yeah. It seems pretty crappy to me, but I, it obviously wasn't made for me. It wasn't made for you. It was made for Alexander. It was made for yeah. Cole. So, I don't know. It just, I don't know. I'm just grumpy right now because Grumpy Cat passed away. And Julie and I had a bad breakfast. Well, all oh, right. Okay. Well, it wasn't good. Well, here's the thing. It, it, on Fridays, Fridays are my generally my day off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julie and I will go get breakfast. Yeah. And it's our kind of our weekly date night thing but it's in the morning because the kids are not with us and we kind of like to mix it up we go to different places but there's you know there's a few that we go to more than others and but we always have the same debate where do you want to go this morning i don't know me either let's drive this way i guess we're near bob evans so we'll go to bob evans well i don't know uh a while back I said, what if we mix it up that we don't have breakfast, we have lunch? I think we've only done that like twice. Mm-hmm. Are you still awake in there? Who, me? No, she's sleeping. She, uh, how, how many times did we go to lunch? Maybe once or twice? Yeah, once or twice. Right. So one of the times we went to lunch, we went to... Well, there's a huge casino near us. It's called Firekeeper's Casino. Right. And Google it, you can see it. It's huge. And as you know... Casinos have, supposedly, uh, really good food because they don't want you to leave the casino. They want you to spend your cash in the casino, stay there, sleep there if there's a hotel. For instance, I've spent, you know, probably from the different shows that I was doing for OWC, a month at um, MGM Grand. Mm -hmm. Probably not quite that long, but pretty close. And a couple other casinos, right? Because that's where the yeah. shows are a lot, or that's it's adjacent to the venue. Mm-hmm. So I've been into the MGM Grand. I've had breakfast. I've had lunch. I've had dinner there uh, at their buffet thing, and it's good food. It really is. It's tasty. So we went there for a lunch. Yeah, I don't know, five months ago, and it was not impressive at all, and it was way expensive. Is this the buffet? Yep. Right. And so this morning. 
uh, I came up with a bright idea. Let's let's try them for breakfast. Well, the, the buffet was closed. So we walked around the casino floor looking for other restaurants. And as we're heading out, right by the door that we came in is a restaurant. Something, oh, uh, here I can tell you. It's called Cafe 24-7. I see it. And they have breakfast. So we took a chance, went in there for breakfast. So what I posted on Facebook is terrible food, about as hot and bland as you can make it. Just really bad. Um, Chad Perry, actually it was probably Kim, posted and probably cost too much. We've thought all the restaurants there are too expensive, and they are. Um, back when the mob ran casinos, <laughs> they practically gave the food away, and it was delicious food. Yeah. Because they wanted you to spend your money gambling. Well, now is, that businesses own it, no. Well, it's, it's this this one's owned by the Indians, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the Potawatomi tribe owns uh, Firekeepers. Yeah. And th- this is the, literally like the second time we've ever been in there. Julie and I are neither one of her gamblers. Yeah. We're not into earning our money and then going in there and giving it away to the casino. And I know some people do win money in there, and you could win big money in there, but... Ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, you're going to lose whatever you go in there to spend. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's it's, <laughs> it's a business and it makes money. Therefore, the customers must be losing money. Mm-hmm. And I get it, but th- I, that's not my lifestyle. I, I'm not yeah. into gambling. I'm just not. If someone comes up and says, "Hey, you want to you know bet me five bucks on this thing over here?" I might do it, but probably not. Yeah. You know, I don't bet on sports. Hey, I bet you 20 bucks my team beats your team. I, I don't do that. Who's going to yeah. win this fight? I don't know. Want to bet on it? No, not even the slightest. I don't want to bet on that. So we don't go to the casino. Um, we've been there twice now for food, and it's been rubbish both times. Mm-hmm. And we've decided we're just probably never going to go back there unless it's yeah. a, a concert event or something that, you know, a, an attraction. Then and now Dennis Miller, he used to be pretty funny. Yeah, well, this um, is this is why he's now he's now at Firekeepers Casino. Casino in Battle Creek. Right. <laughs> yes, he he went over to uh, the Republican um, uh, far right, right, and most of his stuff is now about politics, and it's just like, eh, yeah, really. I mean, he used to kind of be like that, anyways. But he was he he had a unique voice back in the day. Now. He would probably be a better candidate for the voice of Grumpy Cat than I would be. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. it's just not my thing anymore. Mm. But I used to, I remember I used to watch his talk show on HBO. Yeah. Uh, his talk show was one of the things that made me want to get into podcasting. So there you go. Yeah. See how that all tied together? Plus. So smooth. <laughs> smooth. Um, uh, back on the tech side a little bit, and it's kind of tech, I suppose. So Uber drivers had this big lawsuit. They wanted to get represented by the union, and they wanted to be classified as employees and not just freelance help. And they lost. Yeah. And a part of me wanted to think, well, yeah, they should be able to unionize. The, the, the taxi union stuff like that, they should protect these workers because we know, anecdotally at least, that they're getting screwed over. You know, the Uber drivers, they don't make crap. Yeah. And and Uber is just exploiting these people like you won't believe. 
But yet, by the same token, they are not employees. They're driving their own car. They can work when they want to work. They can work for the competitor at the same time. Yeah. I've seen so many Uber slash Lyft drivers. They have both apps running, and they just take the fare on the app that looks the best to them right then. Yeah. So they're clearly not employees. And if you're not employees, I don't think you deserve to be represented by the union. So so the thing is, yes, it's... it's they, the flaw, in, in my view, the flaw in these sorts of approaches is that nobody makes you work for Uber. No. Yeah? You have a choice whether you want to get into that. And, and I understand that with startups, kind of terms and conditions change over time. But you know what they do with any company? Yeah. And, uh, you know, you should know what you're getting into. And um, I don't – don't get me wrong. I, I'm not – I'm not against the rights of people to unionize. Absolutely no, me neither. not. You know, I don't like it when workers are exploited by the company nope. they work for. But in, in terms of the lawsuit that the Uber drivers have put forward, which is, you know, we are being treated as independent contractors when we're effective employees. I just don't see the argument. It's just I, like, I me, but, but it's you flawed. are not. Yeah. I don't get to choose when I come into work. I can't ring up my boss or, or, well, even even with Uber, you don't even need to ring anybody up. You can just decide, I'm not going to work today. Right. I won't get paid, but I'm not going to work. I don't have that flexibility. I'm or, expected or, or to Or even here. more than that, instead of going to your work right now, you go to the competitor and do a couple yeah. hours over there. Yeah, exactly. And then go back over to this one and do some hours. No, that's not how it works, people. That's, that's yeah. no. Yeah. And this is this flexibility is, is the whole, it's meant to be the whole disruptive part of the gig economy as it's called, which is, yeah. you know, you, you get to choose when you want to, when you want to work. And, you know, it, what, the flexibility was touted as a, as a, you know, a benefit to people on low wages was that they could work as much or as little as they wanted. They could work for who they wanted. They could do whatever they wanted to do that fits with their lifestyle. Um, and, uh, the problem, the reason they're asking for more rights is because it, it's, the nature of these businesses becoming increasingly difficult for them to make money doing that because of, of the rates of pay and the rates well, of pay. It always sucked. That's yeah. the thing. They're, they're trying to make it sound like it, it's, it's bad now. It was always bad. Yeah. I remember when Uber started, I used to take some Ubers in other cities and I asked the drivers and it was always bad. They never made much money. Yeah. Half of them never made enough money to cover the insurance of their car, let alone make any kind of a living wage. So it always sucked. And all you had to do was spend five minutes online looking it up to see if people are making money. You need to find out, mm, no, you're not. Yeah. And now they have the whole Uber Eats thing. Well, that apparently that's the only part of Uber that's making money at the moment. Because well, but not the, for the drivers. Yeah, well, yeah. But, it, but it, I, yeah, for the company it's making money. But they, that's because that's a new business. Yep. And so it's in startup mode and it's in yep. rapid growth and that sort of thing. And Deliveroo just received a big um, investment from Amazon. Yeah, you know they're trying to get they're trying to get into into that into that too. But yet again, I I've seen and to be honest, I've got to be honest with you, I really dislike both Uber Eats and Delivery because they are. I go to places and they are clogging up the places waiting for very large takeaway orders, um, and it lowers the service for everybody. And to me, I don't you know if, if the if the comp- if the Restaurant itself is doing takeaway, then they kind of you know, then that is their choice, and they can balance up what they do against the customers who are sitting into the restaurant. But with Deliveroo and Uber Eats, they can't. They just receive the orders and they have to fulfil them. Um, I've heard apparently here in the UK that some brands are now setting up what they call dark kitchens, 
where they will, uh, you know, Uber Eats or Delivery will take out a whole warehouse space in an industrial part somewhere. And then they will go in and each brand will set up their own kitchen there. And they'll start fulfilling delivery and Uber Eats orders from there. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. Which, you know, it's fine. That's an approach to the problem. But but then you, you can argue that maybe you're not getting the same food experience as a customer that you're expecting. No, because maybe the uh, those dark kitchens are staffed with the second string chefs or trainee the hygiene, chefs. Or, hygiene isn't as good. And well, yeah. To be honest with you, the hygiene might be better than some restaurants I've uh, I've eaten in. But there you go. The po- the point is is that is that yeah, it's going to be the same for these uh, Uber Eats drivers and the delivery drivers. Is you know, it's a bad job anyway. Yeah. Because you've got to hang around and then you've got to put food in a bag and you've got to take it to people, battle through traffic and everything, and they give it to people who often aren't that grateful. <laughs> you know, and will often abuse you for being late or not being hot on this, that and the other. You know, um, and uh, it's, it's going to be an all-round bad experience. And again, those, I, I, the problem is is that these companies, as they get bigger, it's the, their nature is to exploit their workers. They want to make more money. And so the... The one place they can control the margin is how much they pay the labor. Exactly. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that there was a case. There was a case here where um, uh, a guy was—I'm um, pretty sure it's in the UK—where the guy was complaining that he he didn't have, or, or that he'd been he'd been unfairly treated by. Uh, I think it was Deliveroo, um, and and it was the same thing. He was also registered for Uber Eats. And he was taking one from one and one from the other and that sort of thing. And the, the, they had all the records. And the judge looks at all and basically said, well, you know, it's perfectly clear you were working as a freelance contractor here because you were working multiple places at once and you were choosing when you worked and when you didn't. Yeah. There was times here when you actually turned the apps off and you didn't take any orders. So, uh, you know, his case was thrown out. You know, when I hear Deliveroo's, I think that their mascot should be a kangaroo. Um, I'm not sure whether the mascot is meant to be a kangaroo deliveroo deliveroo oh uh, maybe not I, I don't know it's hard it's one of those weird things it, it looks like somebody's sticking two fingers up yeah yeah uh, I'm not, I'm not i think sure. it's supposed to be a kangaroo face yeah yeah but it does look like to me like a hand with two fingers sticking yeah up, i've never is, i've never looked at it before but yeah. i just just the name itself sound like it should be yeah I think it's the real kangaroo delivery. Yeah, I think. But yeah, as I say, the the, <clears throat> the logo I think says basically this is how the drivers will treat you as a paying customer in the restaurant they're picking up from. Oh, they're not in the U.S. yet. <laughs> well, that's why then. But they are. They are Uber Eats. It's the same. It's the same thing. Just yeah. they don't. Delivery does not have a taxi service. They are all about food. I've used uh, uh, Uber Eats twice now. At work. And both were fine. I mean, I got the food. Um, one of them was donuts, so you can't screw up donuts really, I guess. Yeah. But this is what kind of freaked me out a little bit. So I didn't have... The phone I have right now is, you know, two phones away from when I was using when I was at OWC with Uber. Mm-hmm. And I've never had the Uber app on this phone. I never migrated it over. Yeah. So I download Uber Eats on my phone. It says to sign in. So I signed in using my Uber credentials because I figured that's probably correct. Mm-hmm. And the moment I did and I clicked to pay for it, it pulled up my business credit card from OWC. Mm-hmm. It was still in their system. 
Yeesh. Yeah. I was like, that's not good. Uh, A, it was, I'm sure it was an expired card at that point. I didn't check because I immediately went into the payment screen and deleted that and added a new card. Um, but even still, it just kind of blew my mind that they had that information still. I was like, really? I don't know. It just it kind of bothered me a little bit. Had you had you contacted Uber and asked them to delete delete your account? No. Or had you just right? No. So I guess their attitude is that they were doing you a favor. And I, I get that, but I just don't yeah. like that they retain that payment method the whole time. For a long time, yeah. I, a long time. Yeah. I, I mean, it's been I, at least five, well, four years. That's kind of the time when Apple freaked me out. Um, when I had, I'd used the um, iTunes Match service in the past. Yeah. Uh, and when Apple Music came out, I signed up for it. And obviously part of Apple Music was, it works a little bit like iTunes Match as well. Um, and even though, yeah, it was like a five-year delay, all of my iTunes Mac, Match stuff that had ever been uploaded to the cloud was still there and immediately came down to my phone. Yeah, that's, that's kind <laughs> and, of weird. And, 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 yeah, you kind of thought, well, I never asked them not to do that, but by the same token, you would... you everybody, And this is the problem with, with data privacy, is you kind of assume, oh, if I haven't used it for a long time, the company will purge it for me and it will go away. Um, and that's not how data works nowadays. <laughs> no, once the data's out there, it's out there forever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last like thing. Pictures of Grumpy Cat. Yes. Last thing. Uh, July 27th, 28th is MaxDoc, and obviously Dave and I are both going to be at MaxDoc, so we want yeah. to invite you guys to uh, go to MaxDoc Conference and Expo and uh, click register today. Come to the event. You know, hang out with David and I. It's, it's it's a cool event. You should definitely come. Yeah. But even more fun, well, I don't know if it's going to be more fun. Yeah, it'll probably be more fun, is on the 26th. Are we going to settle on noon? Yeah. That yeah, okay. Right so noon on the 26th, that's a Friday, David and I are going to take um, uh, our kids, not all our kids, of course, but because I'm bringing oh. Brooke and yeah. he's bringing Alexander. The ones We're who are with go, us. Yes. We're going to go to the Galloping Ghost Arcade. This is an open invitation for anybody that's listening. Even if you don't go to MaxDoc, if you live in the Chicagoland area, take a day off yeah. from work. So it's in Brookfield. And, yep. Um, it's quite easy to get to. Very most easy. Of Chicago, yeah. Come to the Galloping Ghost Arcade noon on July 26th and meet David and I and hang out and play some arcade games or don't. Uh, just watch our kids play them because they're probably going to be better at them than we are. Um, actually, no. We've been playing these arcade games for many years. Yeah. We'll smoke them. <laughs> Unless it's one of those dance arcades. I, I, You won't get David or I on one of those anyways, but still. No, no, probably won't be good for the arcade game if somebody of my considerable mass started jumping around in one of those. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what's coming up in, uh, what, 69 days. 69 yeah. days as we record this. Uh, exactly. No, we're two hours away, 69 days from now. 69 days and two hours, we will be at the Galloping Ghost Arcade. And we uh, we would love to have some people show up. Last time that we did this, I think we had uh, two or three people? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. Um, it sure was. It, it, this is a huge arcade. 714 games at current count. And, and we will play every single one. Every one of them, yeah. I think it's like... <laughs> 
15 20 bucks, something like that. It's not much, so you're not yeah, going to spend a lot of money. All the games are set on free play. So. Yeah. And they do have some pinball machines as well, so yeah. it, it's it's going to be a good time. It, it It's just... I d- we're not going to record any podcasting there. We'll take some pictures. We'll post them up on the sites and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's just hanging out, talking, playing some video games, wasting 20 bucks, and for me, another 20 bucks in gas. Because um, <laughs> that Sequoia is thirsty, I can tell you. I'm averaging uh, 15.3 miles per gallon. Wow. Yes. That is, um, that's bad. Oh, yes. Yes. Well, I mean... It, it's a Toyota Sequoia. I mean, I could sit in the third row and be very comfortable. How so. much does it? How much does a gallon gas cost in the states at the moment? Uh, about two eighty nine a gallon. Two dollars eighty nine cents. Yeah. What's that in? That's a lot cheaper than what you're paying. <laughs> yeah. So that's two pound twenty seven. Two pounds twenty seven a gallon. Yeah. Um, I know U.S. gallons are slightly different than the English gallons. But uh, I am paying one pound thirty per litre. So times that by four point five five to turn that into um, gallons. That's six pounds. Oh, six pounds in USD is seven sixty four. You're. Hey Julie, we're not moving to the UK. They're paying seven sixty four a gallon. I'd have to burn the sequoia to heat the house for a while. Yeah, I think I'd buy a Prius at that point. Um, wow, that's 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 pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you live on an island. Everything's more on the island. Uh, and s- s- one day we might even be more of an island than we are at the moment. Yeah, it's starting to look that way, isn't it? All right, David, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we had no plans to talk about anything tech fan, and we made it to almost an hour. So almost I think that's hour, pretty good. Yeah. yeah, I can live with that. Yeah. I will see you next week, my friend. See you then.